and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger and because, of, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had, been what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy and the excitement that comes with the Christmas season. We thank you for the festivities and the love and the, the, the anticipation, dear Lord. And God, we thank you for the real message of Christmas, dear God. We thank you for the real message of the gift that was given of the Christ child being sent. God, we pray that we would be able to realize an understanding in a whole new way. And God, that we, as we give gifts, dear God, that we would also share Christ with the people we come in contact with whether it's in a, a casual passing at a grocery store or in a retail market, dear God, or in schools or at the gas station. But God, that we would share the good news just as these shepherds did. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. I have an amen section. <laughs> praise the Lord. I just, we're going to talk about the unexpected heroes of Christmas today and just share a, a few perspectives. There, there are many people that are involved in this Christmas story. And uh, it's interesting to me to see how God worked in and through people, and he continues to do the same thing today, people that may otherwise have been discounted. The very first one that we might would think about, uh, and, you know, we, we hear the story here about... Um, you can actually turn over to Luke, Luke chapter 1 and hear about how Gabriel, the angel, appeared to this virgin. Was she qualified to be the mother of, of the Christ child? What had she accomplished in her life? What were the great accolades that she had done to make her worthy to be the mother of Jesus? 
And yet in all of these areas, Scripture is silent. We're not told of anything. She's not married. She's not, it doesn't say that she has some great education. We don't know anything about her life prior to this. Just that Gabriel appeared to, to her, and she said it, she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And it says, if you look at verse 28, the angel appears to her and says, it says, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored of the Lord. The Lord is with you. The Lord favored her. The Lord chose her. The Lord is the one who qualified her. This morning, um, the Lord just spoke to me and said, I have qualified those that others have disqualified. Don't you love it? How many of you, how many of you would think about your past life? How many of you would think about what happened yesterday? Or maybe even the thoughts that are playing through your mind right now and say, this applies to everybody else, but it doesn't apply to me. And say, well, I, maybe I'm disqualified. Can I just tell you something and bring you hope? God has qualified those that were disqualified, those that other people might not have qualified. God's qualified you. God chose Mary. God chose to favor her. God chose to, her, to use her as the mother and the vehicle to bring the, the Christ child into the earth. She was an unlikely, unexpected hero of Christmas. And the other side of that, there was this man who was betrothed to her. They had great expectations. They had hope that someday they would have a home and a family together. What went through his mind when he found out that his wife was with child? His wife-to-be was with child. What happened? I thought everything was pure and everything was holy and everything was safe, but thankfully there was a visitation from an angel. I don't know if we're going to have to go to the handheld or not. Let's just go ahead and do that, okay? Will you... All right, we'll go with this. So anyhow, the angel appeared to him and set his mind at ease and let him know that, look, this child that's been conceived inside of your betrothed womb is not of man. This is a holy seed. It is of the Holy Spirit. And because the, the angel appeared to him and set his mind at ease, at first he had considered putting her away and just kind of hiding her. But it says in the scriptures, if you look at, at the different accounts of this, that, that he chose to marry her. He, went, he said, yes, we'll go ahead. He recognized that it was a divine thing of God. In that sense, Joseph could have been disqualified. He wasn't someone of high esteem in the community. He was a mere carpenter, someone who worked with his hands, someone who labored, but not someone that you would have considered the father of the king, but yet God qualified him. And then you look through this passage and you find that, that uh, there was these men sitting out on the hill with their sheep. If you were looking in society and tried to find the highly esteemed people and the people that should be the heralds of the coming of a new king, it wouldn't be the shepherds that you went to. You wouldn't go look to them for wisdom and counsel and insight. They're out there with the sheep at night. 
there are few jobs in the, in the Israelite community that were considered more lowly than a shepherd's job. They were very common, but they weren't esteemed. And yet to these men sitting out there on the hill, you find that there's an angelic de uh, declaration. The angels appear to them first, one giving them the word. And then angels that couldn't restrain themselves to come and join in the celebration started declaring glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and goodwill to all mankind. God used these unlikely vessels to communicate the truth that hope had been birthed into the world. And just like they were saying that Isaiah was saying in the little skit that we watched, Lord, we're in this dark world. We keep stumping our toes on, this, on sinfulness. We keep running into things. We're, we're, like, we're blind running around in the dark. Mankind, they seek after pleasure. They seek after some kind of fulfillment. They seek after something, some kind of balm to soothe the brokenness and the hurt that's in their life. They seek after something to give them some kind of reward to make them feel like they're worth something, that there's some kind of value or meaning to their life. They pursue fame. They pursue accomplishment. They pursue wealth. They pursue all kinds of things to, to work in those areas to be able to bring healing to the hurt of the past, to bring healing to their lives and to make them feel like there's something significant. But everything that man pursues in that kind of way is meaningless. It has no lasting value. You, how many people have we seen as the longer you live out the life or the longer you're exposed to the things out there in the world, you recognize you see people ascend to the pinnacle of fame and fortune. And they can't sustain it before long. They fall from that place and they end up caught up in all kinds of things and and fame is fleeting and so they try to go to another extreme to kind of stay on top and it doesn't work they fall away it's inevitable money doesn't bring happiness it brings toys but it doesn't make people happy it gives options but it doesn't make people happy and it can be gone like a vapor boom if you got a lot of money you got a target on you lawsuits people with a hand out. All of that is just fate, uh, fleeting. It doesn't last. But in the midst of the darkness that man stumbles around in, we're told that a great light has shined. We read last week from John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It talked about how he was the light of the world and how that light shined in the darkness, but a lot of the darkness, a lot of the world didn't recognize who he was. But Jesus manifests the fullness, the greatness of his love by willing to not only care and heal and minister to people, but he went all the way to the cross to be able to give hope to people. Of course, we can't pass, I mean, we will we can't pass up the aspect that Israel, for years and years and years, there had been prophecies that had gone on. I mean, I think, I think I'm, I'm a little, I think Isaiah was 700 years before Jesus was born. And here he had prophesied in Isaiah 7:14 that a virgin would 
conceive a child and a, a child would be born and the child's name would be Emmanuel, which in itself may have been a common name in, in Israel. There, there were other people that may have been named Emmanuel, but reality is that in him the name actually carried weightiness and meaning because he was the Christ child. He was, Emmanuel means God with us, and in him it was fulfilled that in this child God had come to live among mankind. You find that from the beginning of God's working and setting his people free, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, the one of the things that he expressed was that he would dwell among his people. And because of that, he established the tabernacle system. He established that whole system where there all the, the tribes were arranged around the central tabernacle where they would worship and, and, and come and sacrifice to the Lord but God said that he would come and inhabit that tabernacle. He would be there in the Holy of Holies. And when he moved, they moved with him. And, but he wanted to dwell in their midst. Now he put himself behind the veil. He put himself in the Holy of Holies so that his holiness and righteousness wouldn't reach out and destroy them because of their sinfulness. God put himself there. He wanted to be with them, but he also had to protect them from his own presence. But we find that when Jesus died on the cross, when he died, that that veil that separated mankind from God was torn from the top to the bottom. We like to say rent, except that we don't really use the word rent very often in our vernacular. But it was torn from the top to the bottom because God initiated that removal of the veil. Because now that Jesus had died and now that sin had been dealt with, there was an opportunity for man to have a direct relationship with God. And we're recipients of that blessing. We can know him. We can walk with him. We can experience him. Isaiah prophesied that there was the virgin that would conceive and bear a son whose name was Emmanuel, God with us. In chapter 9... Of Isaiah, the scripture we used last week, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, an Everlasting Father. You're right, his name would be God. Jesus was going to be born, and we have that wonderful privilege, but these prophecies were given 700 years before Jesus was born. For 700 years, they had looked for a promise. For 700 years, they had looked for the answer. For 700 years now, in the time of Jesus' birth, the Jewish people find themselves under an oppressive regime, the Roman government. They find themselves subservient to, oppressed. They had once been a glorious nation. They had once been a powerful nation in the time of, of David and Solomon. But now they were being suppressed by the most powerful entity of its time. When they talk about the Roman Empire, a common phrase that, that is used is the Pax Romana. Pax Romana. It means the Roman peace. And it means that there was some semblance of peace throughout the Roman Empire. And it actually provided an opportunity for the gospel, gospel to be able to be shared in different regions. There were great roads that were built. Some of them still exist today, the Apian Way in, in Rome. There's, there are still aqueducts that can be seen. There's all kinds of, of ruins that are in place that you can go and see, like, 
like the, uh, what do you call it, the, the circus? What's it called in, in Rome? Is it the circus? Colosseum. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. wasn't much of a circus for the people out on the floor. You know, if you think about how far society had fallen into sinfulness, how far the decay had come, to think that for enjoyment, for the fun of it, to go have a good time, let's go to the Colosseum and watch some people get torn apart. Let's see gladiators fight. Let's see wild animals be sent out there, not just battling against themselves, but, but attacking people. I'm trying not to be too gory just because of the content, the people that we have here today. But that's how far society had gone. Folks, what does society find entertaining today? There is some real brokenness in our society. I'm not going to take time to get graphic or go into things, but we've talked some about some of the things that our own country is responsible for, for sponsoring around the world. That we have been declared number one in trafficking. We've been declared number one in pornography. We've been declared number one in things like that. And again, I'm not going to go graphic just because of our, our audience today. But we've come a long way from the declaration and the demonstration of the glory of God. The world's still stumbling around in darkness. Still in need of a great light. And you had Israel in this great and terrible oppressive time under the weight of the Roman Empire. They, the Roman Empire was brutal. If there was a Roman peace, it wasn't because it was light-handed. It was because of the heavy-handedness of the Roman Empire and how they completely crushed anybody who dared stand against them and because they completely dominated and controlled and, and, and squashed anybody and made examples not only of those individuals but of their families and the people associated with them. It was hard. And here the Israelite people in the midst of that have a hope and a promise in their heart for those that there was still a glimmer of hope inside. They were looking for someone to come and set them free from this oppressive government. And then to find that the answer was on a little baby born in a manger. Didn't even have money for the hotel. Wasn't any room in the hotel. Wasn't any place for them. But he had to be placed in a manger. And this was hope. But let me, uh, let me just declare this to you. In that humble beginning, there was an unexpected an unexpected hero of Christmas. Because that little baby who was declared from the heavenlies to be the son of God, who was declared to be hope for the nations, that little baby was raised up to be the child of God, the son of God demonstrated, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he moved and walked and he fulfilled his purpose in life. Look, that's the part of the story that we know. Can I just take a moment and say there, there are some other unexpected heroes of Christmas. There's some other ex unexpected heroes of Christmas. And, and 
And you go back and you look about, look at Jesus and, and, and look at his selections when he moved around here on the earth. When he chose the cream of the crop, the prime, to be his messengers. Where did he go? He walked along the side of Galilee to those overly outspoken Peter who just let it out. He just, just bombastically saying whatever's on his mind or whatever's on his heart, you know, what, it, what was in his mind, he was going to speak it. And then you've got Andrew, who was kind of quiet, but he did tend to, you, find, you often find with Andrew that he was often bringing people to Jesus. Just kind of a quiet kind of way, but he'd go talk to someone and say, hey, I found the person we've been looking for. You know, come on, let's go. Let's go have a conversation. Let's go meet him. Let's go listen to him. And he went and found that rejected, looked down on, discarded tax collector. He may have had money, but that's all he had. He didn't have friends. Nobody loved a tax collector. But Jesus said, you'll do. I got something for you to do. Come on. And he went around and he gathered together those 12 that no one would have highly esteemed. No one would have looked up to. One of them was a zealot, which means that they were, they were zealous, but they were also political outcasts. They were people that the Romans were looking for. But yet he was included. He was a wild man, man of action. You can go through all the disciples and look at them. You've got Thomas who was a doubter. Some of us can, some of us can um, uh, find him, find ourselves representative of him. Lord, I hear all the good things that you're saying, but I just have a little bit of doubt. You remember the man who came to Jesus with a son that needed to be healed? And he said, Lord, I, I, Lord, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? And did, did Jesus say, well, I'm holding back my blessing because you struggle with unbelief? Did he? No, he healed. He helped him because he cried out for it. But all of those disciples, when you look at their lives, I mean, when it came down to the, the faithful few, when it came down to the crucifixion, they all, without exception, abandoned him. But yet we find come Pentecost and come the resurrection that they became the unexpected heroes of Christmas because a word that had been birthed in their heart, a seed that had been planted by the Son of God, watered by the Holy Spirit, started to bring forth fruit. And in just the right time, they rose to be able to be the declarers of truth and to share light with their community. There's a lot of us here that in different ways may look at ourselves and say, look, if God needed to use someone, where would he go? Well, there's always sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or they seem to kind of have it all together, so I'm sure God would choose them. And God may choose them, but let me tell you, God hasn't disqualified you. So what's God looking for? Who's God looking for to be able to share light? A retired math teacher <laughs> who can't sit still being retired, but she's got to find something to do, so she's helping bring life. Who's God looking for? Go ahead. I'm going to let you say it. What do you do? What's your job? Receptionist. She's a receptionist. 
exceptions. You think you come in contact with a few people that need help? God brings people across your path. God can use you. Ricky, God planted a seed inside of you a long time ago. It's still bringing forth fruit. It's still going to bring forth fruit. God knows you and God loves you. What about an electrician? God use an electrician? <laughs> Just one time. He put fire inside of you that can't go out. And God put any gifts inside of you? There's a message on the inside. God's got his own way of expressing it through you. God's got gifts and abilities inside of you that are just getting ready to start blooming whole new ways. Life's going to take on a whole new meaning. I would love, let me tell you, I would love to go around this room and just put a little bit of light in it and expose what God's already put inside of you, what he's doing. He uses people who would tax preparers and accountants and grandmas who are sharing life into their grandchildren and, and pouring into people all the time. I remember the first house we ever rented and going to that house the day before we moved in and finding someone down on their knees scrubbing the bathroom floor. And I couldn't believe that this lady was down there scrubbing the bathroom floor before we moved in. Light everywhere you go. I mean, I, I look around this room and I see people. And I'm thinking, unlikely heroes. Look, we may not have been chosen by other people. Some of you stand out and shine anyhow. But let me tell you, there's nobody here that's disregarded. There's nobody here that's disqualified. Why? Because he qualified you. He saw. What he started out putting inside of you. He knows what you've been created for. He knows more than anything else everything in our past and everything in our present. But let me tell you, he has still qualified you. God can turn the world upside down through the lives that we have right here in this place. God's put got enough of his presence and power inside of you, inside of us, to be able to change eternity forever. Isaiah, in that video, I saw that video, I thought, man, that just is tying in right to what the Lord's put in my heart. But folks, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and they'll glorify your Father who's in heaven. You're not disqualified. Can I have everybody's attention? I want everybody's eyes. Young, old, ornery, half asleep or anything. Can I have your attention for just a moment? Let me just tell you this. God has called you. God has equipped you. If you will make yourself available, God will use you. God will use us. And we'll make an impact on eternity. We'll make an impact on people's lives. Don't you have someone in your life? Don't you have someone in your life that God puts on your heart that that person needs prayer? That person needs hope? 
that person's walking in darkness. Look, don't consider anyone too far gone. Don't consider anyone too deep a sinner. Don't consider anyone too, too addicted. Don't consider anyone too sick. Just share what you've been given. And God will use us right now to be unexpected heroes of Christmas. God's light through us. Christmas Day, praying with somebody. Between now and that day, praying with someone. Between now and the end of the year, all of a sudden, light starts. These people that came out and got ministered yesterday, we don't have 400 people in here from yesterday, but you know what? Seed was sown. Light went into darkness. There's people who this morning, when they got out, they may have not showed up to church, but you know what? A thought went through their mind about Jesus. A thought went through their mind about church. And they, and what the enemy may have been pulled the reins back on, or maybe their schedule was the routine of the day was not in place to be able to get him here because they've fallen into another routine through the patterning of their life. But the Spirit of the Lord is going to work in their hearts and going to change the way they're doing. And we're going to keep reaching too. God's going to change people's lives. We're coming down the road here today, and I'm telling you, I, I can honestly say, and I've said it already, I was coming down the road, and I was so excited. I, I thought, I, I don't think I've ever. I got married, honey, and I was excited. <laughs> she said, good. But I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about what God wants to do. I really, I don't know if I've ever been more excited than him right now. Because I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the Lord smiling on us. Folks, God's going to move through us. God's going to use us. God's going to reach people through us. God's going to do the work of the kingdom. I don't have to measure what God's doing anywhere else around the world. But I'm going to tell you, God is going to bring the world to us, and God's going to take us to the world. Are you willing? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. So as we each strive forward, and I'm going to pause there for a minute. The glasses have come off now. Um, as we each strive forward, I'm going to ask a question that may hurt better to help. For some of you, this will be painful. For some of you, it will be awakening. And for some of you, it will just be exciting. But if we respond the right way, it will be exciting for all of us. And that is, if your life continues on the same path that you're on, the same pattern that you're on right now, where will you be five years from now? Your marriage, your business, your children, your finances. If it considers on the same pattern that you're on right now, where will you be five years from now? Look, if all of a sudden that sends a shockwave through your system and say, I, I don't like that answer. I don't like that answer. Things don't look good. I feel like it's going down. It feels like I'm, the, sink is, the ship is sinking. It Seems like, well, folks, then it's time to make some quality decisions about your life. 
you have to change something. You have to get things back on track. You have to make definite and determined changes to be able to get things back to where they need to be to be able to change your life for good. When things don't look good, it stirs up anxiety. It stirs up desperation. It stirs up a determination that something's got to change. It may be uncomfortable. We don't even know what to do. But at least it stirs up something saying, I don't like it where I am right now. I want something to change. Can I tell you that that's, that's actually better than being in a place where I'm just okay. I don't really have, not really, as long as everything just goes on, I'm okay. I don't want to change anything. You know, I'm just going to stay right here and ease on out. You know what a rut is, right? You know what a rut is? You do? A rut is a grave with open ends. If all you're doing is just staying, staying the same and you're not really growing, you're not pressing forward, you're not changing, you're not, you're not looking to achieve or accomplish more, if all you're doing is just staying in a rut, you're already in the grave, you're just waiting for it to close. Well, that's a hard way to say that. Why? Because I want to press you to climb higher. I want to pre press you to push deeper. I want, that sounds bad in light of a rut. But I want you to move deeper into your relationship. I want you to grow more. I want you to want to learn more. I want you to achieve more. I want you to, to reach for the highest and best that God has for you. Don't settle for life. Achieve it. Accomplish it. Fight the good fight of faith. Train us to run. Train us to win. Don't just cave in and just give in to life. I don't care if your health is difficult. I don't care if your finances are difficult. I don't care if your marriage is struggling. Press for more. If you can only lift a leg, lift a leg ten times instead of one. Get better. Get better. Work at life. Don't just acquiesce or give into it. Grow. Learn more. Stretch yourself. Press in. God needs people that are willing to press in. Look for the challenge. Climb the mountain. Be an achiever for the kingdom of God. It's not just about life and finances and, and accolades or things like that. We've already talked about that being a vanity. But, but we live as spiritual people in the earth, and God's called us to accomplish things for him. Read a book, write a book. Study your scripture and know it. You may not memorize the scripture, but you can get a book of the Bible. You can read it and read it and read it and read it, and it will come alive to you, and it will forever be yours, and you can share it with someone. You can become an expert on that, that book. Pray. Spend time in prayer. Pray over your family. Pray over your coworkers. Pray, pray over the people you need. Sow seeds of righteousness by lifting them up before the Lord, and let, the, let God use you. Don't just settle for life. Live it to the fullest. Make it abundant. We've got these opportunities moving into a new year. God's looking for some heroes to rise up. You may disqualify yourself in everything because of all the things that you messed up in. 
You may disqualify yourself because say, I'm of low position, like the shepherds. You, may, you know, we could go through the scripture and name off just, every, just about everything that you would disqualify yourself for. And we could find in the scripture someone that God took out of that situation and qualified them and said, Moses, I know you killed that Egyptian back there. I know that you've spent most of your life out on the hillside being a nobody following sheep around, sheep and goats. But I'm calling you to lead my people out of bondage. So in every way that you disqualify yourself, if you brought, brought that to the Lord and say, Lord, look, I, I, I can't because of this. I can't speak publicly. I struggle with this ailment. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with this thing. And God said, I can use that. I can use that. But Lord, I can't have a baby. I'm not married yet. Mary? I can use that. God, can you use me? God, I make myself available to you. Will you? Will you use me? Who will go for us? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Will you stand with your feet to me? Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we stand before you this day as some God that have walked with you for 400 years. No, for many tens of years, dear God. Some have been with you for a long time. And there's some that are just beginning this journey. God, you're rekindling fire in our hearts and setting our feet back on the right path. God, some of us are struggling in different areas and trying to get it figured out. And, but God, as we stand before you this day, and we offer ourselves, the oh Lord, here I am, such as I have, such as I am, I come. Lord, you said, I can take that. I can work with that. If you'll just, I'll work in you and I'll work through you. It's going to be glorious. Get excited, folks. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. Lord, work in us and work through us to accomplish your purposes this day. God will give you glory. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today, I, I, if you're a believer, would you just consecrate yourself with me to the Lord this, this morning? Would you just raise your hand with me and say, Lord, here I am. God, I'm giving myself to your purposes. Come on, just raise your hand. Make it a personal prayer and a personal dedication right from your heart where you are right now. Lord, would you use me? God, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know all the scriptures. I don't have all the answers. And I, Lord, I've got some stuff. I've got some baggage. But God, I'm making myself available to you today. God, right now, I pray that you would meet these up, up, upreached hands, your Lord, with your grace and with your empowering spirit. Holy Spirit, Come upon them, dear God, and use them. Put words in their mouth, dear God. Undo the tangled knots in the heart that disqualify. And Lord, we just declare today that they are qualified for your service. So God, open the doors of opportunity and use us for your glory. God, we will run into this new year. We run into this new year, dear God, with anticipation of what you're going to accomplish in us. And God, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.